coming for you, Barbara. Hey Divas, I'm Sydney Hampton, a Louisville, Kentucky-based drag queen, horror hostess, and most recently, the host and editor of Really Queer, an LGBTQ movie podcast. Each episode, I'm joined by a guest who co-hosts with me as we discuss the queer themes, tropes, and the characterizations, for better or worse, of some of our most beloved films, from masterpieces to cringy guilty pleasures. Tonight, I'm joined by Adrian of the Slasher podcast. Hi, Adrian. Hi, how are you, Sydney? I'm good. Feeling good, looking lovely. Yes, uh, exactly the same. Uh, maybe not feeling so great, but you know, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Bear that. So before we get started into our uh, subject matter of the episode, um, tell me a little bit about your podcast. Uh, well, it is a little horror podcast that me and one of my best friends, Stormy, started uh well, I guess not close to a year, but we're nearing a year. It'll be a year this June. Uh, and it's just, you know, two delusional fans of horror, uh, you know, completely just talking shit consistently and just having a good time and just learning about horror and being able to experience horror in a different way that we never imagined. Uh, so we do feel delusional about it, but, you know, we're here for a good time. So, Yeah, and you guys always have... Um interesting takes on things too that whenever you guys are just kind of like vibing back and forth um especially uh in hereditary episode which is one of my favorites um you guys were just like surprising me with the, the especially stormy was like all about some hereditary. <laughs> yes, she it was, was so insane you remember me like i said I, I tweeted you guys whenever yes. she brought up one of the um the schoolroom scene and yes it was um me away Yes, it was, um, oh my goodness, I forget who it is. It, I think it was one of the girls in the classroom. The one that, like, uh, um, oh my god, I'm forgetting names already. The son, when he, the, the girl that he's into, like, her last yeah. name is, like, something, I don't even know. It's, it's kind of, like, like, Greek, Greek thing or a myth of some kind. And she yeah. was, like, she, like, knew that. And I was, like, how do you know this? I said, I'm checking out. I'm clocking out of the podcast. I'm done. I'm wrapping it up. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, okay, work. When uh, when Jake and I were doing the Urban Legends episode, I didn't know most of those Urban Legends. So most of this just seemed like <laughs> silly, dumb, like silly, dumb shit. And <laughs> beforehand, like we were like, I, we, we had watched it. And Jake's like explaining the different Urban Legends to me. And I'm like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And eventually we were like, let's just do a separate episode where Jake will explain urban legends to me since i've not heard of most of them that is so funny and see i grew up and urban legends were like my thing when i was young i literally in seventh grade i would walk around with just like a folder and it just had i would sit at home and would print out urban legends and i would put them in this folder and i would take them to school and i would pass out like the stories to people like during lunch just so people could like enjoy them with me so i was very into urban legends growing up that's so cute Crazy. I can just picture you like walking like this is like now you now you uh you do something similar in the form of a podcast where you're just like sharing stories and um discussing right these stories 
uh, in high school doing it with like a little folder with like a little printout. And I know exactly what you were probably doing while you sat there too. Like you're like finding all of these really cool stories that like hype you up and then <laughs> printing them off all excitedly to share them with your friends. Very it just bad. sounds precious. But I imagine that the folder was like a Lisa Frank. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was purple. It was purple. It wasn't Lisa Frank. It was purple though. You know, a diva since the beginning. Of course. The aesthetic. Very, very pleasant. Uh, forcing people to like enjoy things that I enjoy, you know. I think that's just something that all, like all gay, like young gays do though. Like oh, you know how many times that my family had to sit through um, like me doing the choreography that I learned. Do you remember the, um, the, the dance the dance videos that were sometimes advertised on TV where they would like uh, teach you B- uh, Buffy, Britney Spears, crazy and sinks. Oh yes. yes. I had those <laughs> and I would learn them. Me and my friends, uh, Shelby would learn them and we would like make our parents watch us put on a concert <laughs> <laughs> and plays like every gay, pr- every young gay is going to force what they like on you and you oh, have yeah. to clap or you've devastated them. Very that, very that. Me and my two of my cousins, we were we were Destiny's Child. Like we really we thought we were it. And obviously I was Beyonce. And we would do the same thing. We would like sit in the garage and like force our family members to like watch us do our choreo. Very, very insane. I love that. We did um we put on the history album of Michael <laughs> Jackson. Like it's like a compilation of like uh-huh. like all of the songs pretty much. And we would like string together a narrative and make like a um, like kind of think of like across the universe where they used all the Beatles songs to like tell the story. Like, oh my a different, God. like yeah, we did that with history. <laughs> oh it was like a, like a hour and 45 minutes long and we rehearsed this for an entire summer and then made our family sit down <laughs> and watch. There were like eight of us in this, by the way, it was a big family. And all of our parents and some of our neighbors, like the neighbor kids, got involved um, and had to sit there and watch it too. And we were very <laughs> pleased. And if you didn't clap, you would have devastated us. And I can promise you it was not good. <laughs> like, like the whole block was involved in this pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It was, um, it was in like rural Kentucky too. So my gay ass coming in there with my one white glove. <laughs> of yeah. course, of course you had the one white glove. Well, I was I was I was Michael. Of, of course, of, of course, <laughs> the star. And my cousin, my cousin also wanted to be Michael, so she got to do Michael um, at the end, like in the, <laughs> the second part. But yeah, After we had like a whole like a whole thriller thing, and it was like yeah, we I couldn't even try and tell you what the story was anymore because it was so convoluted and <laughs> like very loosely based on the songs. But yeah, we like acted, and it was awful. Oh my gosh, I love. Oh my God. Let me ask you, because I don't know if I was the only person that did this, but I would also uh, like choreograph fight scenes. Like, I don't know. I I guess I thought I was going to be like a fighter or like a stunt person in Hollywood, I guess, because I would like legitimately uh, sit there. And I remember with the second Harry Potter movie, like random, but me and my cousin uh, would like act out the dual scene that they have in that movie where it's yes, Draco and Harry. And like we, word for word, we knew every word, we knew every line. Uh, we used to do that all the time. I remember, uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm, I'm going to start crying. Uh, Daphne's whole fucking fight scene in Scooby-Doo when she's fighting the luchador had that down had every fucking kick down every line of dialogue down so that's what i did as a child 
So I did the same. Um, I wasn't allowed to listen to Harry Potter until I was, uh, or I say listen because I listened to the audiobooks. I oh. didn't wasn't allowed to get involved with Harry Potter really um, until after I was out of the house because my parents were very religious. So that mm-hmm. was like not really something that I ever got introduced to as a kid. Um, so a little bit in high school, like I started, I think I read up to book four and then I hated it. Oh, um, I hate it. I hate book four. Um, but as an adult, like I, I actually like sat down to listen to them all and loved them. But for me growing up, less Harry Potter and more, I have a scar on my leg, like a very, like a very wide scar on mm-hmm. my thigh from the, the neighborhood boys. And of course they were all boys for playing Star Wars in the back in their backyard and i was playing buffy the vampire i was playing with them but i was buffy the vampire slayer and i did not adhere to the rules of of star wars at all (laughs) Um, so i had like my own thing going on and i climbed up on a shed do you remember the scene of uh season three buffy where she stabs faith on the Mm. uh, on the balcony and she falls i wasn't supposed to be faith in the situation i was stabbing um (laughs) a faith who wasn't there, but I knew like, <laughs> like the fight. So I was like fighting nobody. Um, and I lost my footing on the, on top of this tin shed <laughs> and I fell onto a shovel that was like, like halfway in the, like, you know how like you, you'd like step on the shovel and like half of it goes into the ground. In. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I landed on the sharp part of the shovel <laughs> and split my leg open and I'm like running home and like holding my leg and I go in and my mom is just like not even bothered she's like what were you doing and I was like I was playing Buffy <laughs> meanwhile I've got like blood pouring out of me she's got a friend over and she's like oh my god so she like cleans me up but like she's like annoyed at me that I got hurt and <laughs> disrupting tea time uh... yes very that very that <laughs> so yeah that's that's the kind of shit I got up to as a kid and oh I had, God. like, I was, like, rural Kentucky. Like, there's not many people to play with. So it was just right. me and a bunch of, like, tomboy. Um, I don't even know why I said tomboy. They're boys. They're, like, <laughs> I don't know. They're, like, hick boys, you know? Oh, okay, like, yeah. Brown boots, um, dark dark blue denim, overalls, that kind of thing. But, no, I went to high school with those people, too. So, like. Did you grow up in Vegas? No, not at all. So I'm from New Mexico. So I grew up in New Mexico, uh, rural New Mexico. Uh, it's gotcha. like right on the Texas border is like my hometown. But like the gag of all that is, is like our hometown, the high school is probably like 200 kids like in one class. But where I went to high school uh, and a lot of my schooling was a small town. It's probably like 20 minutes away from my hometown. And it's like a class of like 18 people. I graduated with like 18 people. Uh, so they would surely, you know, come to school every day and they're, you know, they would come riding horseback, I guess. I don't know what the terms are, but they would do that. And they would come in like ATVs and they would just, it was, that's my high school experience. So that's wild. Uh, yeah. Very, very small town in New Mexico. I've not really known many people who went to a school where there were so few like almost as almost as few seniors as there were in my class whenever I went to a public school for my junior year and then I dropped out. But before that, um, I was in a Christian school and um, there were 18 students total from pre-K to senior. Oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes there would be like several years between graduations that is so because crazy. there wouldn't be any seniors. Um, but yeah, there was uh, the year that I left there, there were three seniors that were graduating. Um, and then I didn't come back because I went to public school because I thought I was going to 
go to public school and have like a glee moment. I was about to say the same thing. You yeah. know, you thought you were going to go and like just star in the, like the, you know, the school oh, I play did. and I was, just take I was over. The, I was that bitch. I was <laughs> freshly out of the closet. The world was my oyster and I get there and it's, it's exactly what I should have known. It was, it was Shepherdsville type people. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. The journey right. of the little gay boy. Such a weird journey too. Yes. And then I ended up working for like I used to add like all like I'll, I'm like the the um the Sharpay Evans <laughs> gay story because I like think I'm gonna go and like have this awesome life and then I ended up working in a warehouse after I dropped out of high school. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Oh my god, me me moving to Vegas. That I was gonna change the world, but here we are. Is that what attracted you there? Uh no. The crazy thing is is um. So when I graduated college, because I went to uh, to college for broadcast journalism, so I have like my communications degree or whatever. Very but cute. yeah, very that you know, she's a school fish. But I was just very confused, pretty much after college. I was like, well, I don't know, because um, a lot of my degree was like working in like news and news media, and I hated mm-hmm. it, and I hated like producing those shows, and I hated being a part of those shows, just because the news is just so drab. So after school, I was like, well, I don't really want to like, I don't want to do this anymore. So it was like a year of me just kind of like sitting around my hometown and like not knowing what to do. Uh, But one of my best friends, she was like, well, I want to move. She was moving up here for a man. She's like, I want to move to Vegas and just, you know, live my life and be crazy. And, you know, she had just broken up with her boyfriend, not to spill all her tea, uh, but she had just broken up with her (laughs) boyfriend of two years. And she was like, you know, this is something different for me, something fresh. And and I knew she wanted this man because we had come to vegas like three times before we decided to move just to like party and you know be crazy and you know 21 or whatever uh but then she's like let's just move let's just do it so i was like you know what you're right and we moved up here and i thought i was gonna like just like walk into like fucking like i don't know whatever i don't even know what news channels they have up here but i thought i was gonna walk into those studios and be like listen i'm here to just take over and i thought i was gonna be the cutest little weather girl and just like live my best life but that surely didn't happen so that's adorable, though. I can imagine you, like, just walking into some new studio, like, I'm here. Like, who are you? I really uh, thought. Your new weather girl, Dad. I really thought. I swear, I probably still have, I literally have a note in my phone. Um, I think I finally deleted it not too long ago. Uh, but I literally had, a, like, a note in my iPhone, and it was like, <laughs> it just said Las Vegas news stations. And I had it there for years, because I just had a list of them. And I was like, one day I'm going to just walk in and just go to every single news station and just just lay it out there and show my my reel. I have a reel also. I think it's on Venmo of, like, my work. Uh, <laughs> so I was going to go in there and give them that link and just, like, I thought it was going to be it. But, you know, podcasting is also really fun. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's a different – I mean, it's a very different format, of course, but – um, who knows? Maybe we can manifest you uh, some some good some uh, good opportunities. Yes, I'm so down. You have, you have like camera work then, so um, <laughs> you know if if slash her ends up being a uh, has a YouTube companion oh, uh, moment. You know, who knows? We'll see. Right. Since you were talking about Buffy earlier. Um, I wanted to ask you then, because you were talking about season three. Is season three your favorite Buffy season? I know we're talking about the movie here in a few, yeah. but I have to know. I can talk about I can talk about Buffy the TV show this whole time. It's fine. Um, no, Buffy season three is not my favorite. But <gasps> it's definitely not my least favorite. Okay. Should my I... favorite season is probably season, I think, five. Why five? I'm kind of curious. I think six. I don't know. I, it's between five and six. Wow, that's me. crazy. I and love season four. three. And also season four. 
I don't know. See, this is this is the like if I had to sit down and like rank them, um, season six has the musical episode. And oh. it also finally kind of settles into the Dawn storyline, which I struggled with. Mm. Um, but I feel like season five Buffy is my like Buffy Summers is my favorite Buffy. Um she's she's not she hasn't died the second time yet. <laughs> but she's just like really struggling to like figure life out and her, you know, the body like the the body episode is in uh season five. That yes. is the hardest episode for me to watch. Um I don't know, there's like there's so many really great episodes in season five and six. But then I also think, well, season four had the college storyline. And although I don't really care for the Adam storyline as much, because I'm kind of like, mm, it's kind of it's kind of goofy. Right. But it had Hush. It had Hush. And Hush is my favorite episode of all, like, of all time. Um, oh, yeah. Easily. Like, if I want to sit down and watch, like, a like a, the best, like, if I want to just sit down and watch an episode of Buffy, it's probably going to be Hush. Mostly okay. because the, the gentleman scared the shit out of me. So terrifying. You're right. That, that's one of the best episodes. I mean, okay, okay. I see your points. I was okay with season five because you're right. Like the acting in that entire season, because it's like where she's most distraught. Like it's the most that we've seen like Sarah Michelle act really. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's just, you know, fun. She's so charismatic the entire show anyways. But like this season she was acting and it was so intense and it's, and it's a crazy, it's a crazy season. But I still think three is my favorite. I think it's just because, when I think of Buffy, I still think like high school, you know, that's just yeah. me. I'm that type of person. And it's, it's senior year and it just like, it all works so perfectly. It's the last season uh, with Cordelia as well. And it's just, I don't know. I love season three and Faith three is just. Is definitely the, I think the quintessential Buffy season. Yes. Very like, bad. If you had to tell somebody, this is what the show is. You'd show them season three. Yes. Very And bad. it does have the most solid, I think the most solid storytelling. Like from their the arcs that they that they went through, I think they I think season you know what season I, I take it back season three is definitely in my top. It's good. It's so good. Literally the only season that's not in my top is season one. Oh, it's so. a bad season. I was thinking of season oh, one. Bad, bad. It's, just, <laughs> it's 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 like this movie. Okay, thank you. Yeah, the entire time I was watching this movie, I was like, you know, this feels like season one of Buffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the movie's still a little bit. I'd, I'd like enjoy season one of Buffy more than the movie maybe, but yeah, <laughs> easy. Yeah. So, but the, exactly. That's my thought process the entire time. It's it, it. They're both, they both struggle. Um, so obviously of course we're talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the 1992 dark comedy horror film directed by Fran Rubel Kuzui. I might be saying that wrong. Uh, starring Christ, Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Luke Perry and Hilary Swank. Um, so now that I got that part out of the way, yes, the, we're talking <laughs> about this movie and it struggles the same way season one struggled with finding out what it was. You could tell that Joss had a vision with Buffy um, in the movie and knowing how he felt about it, like walking away, um, it's clear that he was trying to kind of, I don't know that retcon's the right word, but kind of rewrite what Buffy was, but still keep it true um because it's got all the campy moments like season one is definitely the most like monster of the week oh yes you know which i really enjoy that aspect of it like i would have honestly probably liked to have seen more of that in the later seasons agreed yeah more concentrated on the the big bad but um yeah it just it had so many campy moments and stuff which if 
for me, I don't know how you feel. How do you feel about camp? Do you love camp or are you just kind of like, eh? Oh no, obsessed. I love it. And yeah. I love it in my movies. I tr- like, it just, it's everything to me. I think for me, I always love like, I just love to be entertained. And I know like with horror in general, I mean, obsessed with all of it, but I just love when they do have an ounce of camp in there just because it just gives me, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it just, it's so queer, isn't it? It's just, yeah, it's queerness. And it just reminds me obviously of like Rocky horror and just, I love the integration of horror and just campiness. So this movie kind of fit into that aspect a lot more than I thought it was going to. I didn't expect it to be so over the top and campy. I was very taken aback. Yeah, it has, it has moments. And that's why I don't call this movie a complete turd because it has moments of, of solid, good camp. And it's, it's got some really funny moments too. My issue with it and my issue with season one of Buffy is that it doesn't lean into the camp full heartedly. I want, if I'm going to have camp, I want like full camp. I want Scream Queens camp. I want um, like John Waters serial mom camp. And both the first season and the movie kind of straddled, like it was like they were trying to find their voice, but you can't, you don't really have time whenever you're making a movie to find your voice, you know? Oh yeah. Not at all. You've you've got an hour and 20 minutes or so to figure it out. Um, And I don't feel like, I don't feel like this movie ever figured it out. No, I feel bad because, well, you know, this was my first time watching it in preparation for this. So I just, I actively avoided this movie just because I did hold the show so dearly. And I just knew that this wasn't going to like add up in any way. So I was like, let me just not like go into it and like make me dislike a movie. Cause I just didn't want to do that. I hate when I don't like movies. So I was a little timid and nervous to watch it, but in going into it, I was very taken aback by just the aspect of it. And it definitely feels very Hollywood camp, I guess. And like you said, like they didn't fully go there and it probably feels orchestrated in a way and i mean when you think of you know josh uh josh walking off set i mean it kind of makes sense if he was trying to make it a little bit more more self-aware i guess because it just felt so like the camp even felt so dry yeah it did and i think that's i think that um with his writing because he's he's very you know he's got his own weed and speak his own language and he knows how to write full fully realized characters I mean, you've got, like, we've seen it in Firefly. We've seen it, of course, with Buffy, with, like, especially with characters like Anya, who have, like, complete 180s um, throughout their storytelling. We know he can write a good character. And this is also, like, 1992. This is five years, I think, before Buffy. Yes, it was five years. Um, so, you know, he's he had some time to, like, figure it out. But this movie just felt like it wasn't ready to be made at all i felt so bad i felt so bad the first thing i did when maybe like 20 minutes into this movie i was like i need to know what the budget is because the costuming was awful the so bad the wigs the wigs oh my god so many bad wigs oh my god i was like i i'm gonna just like i told myself i was like i can't go into the episode and attack the wigs immediately but like you kind of have to because they're so bad attack the wigs we don't we don't stand for a bad wig no ma'am so bad especially um i mean the old time slayer her wig was so her girl that that was rotted i was taking it back ready for her to die i was like it's time for her to go please leave the screen but yeah i had to look up the budget because i was like this is so sad and it was about uh i think it was like seven million was their estimated budget so i was like okay well i guess that fits within it fits within a seven million dollar movie i guess but my 
my god like the budget went to christy swanson i'm sure because she looked the best the entire movie yeah definitely although i think it was pretty effortless because she's i mean obviously fuck christy swanson but very that um she's she, i mean she's a beautiful woman so it's very stunning like effortlessly uh effortlessly gorgeous um and she has great hair even today like it's not as good as it used to be but <laughs> but um but yeah no like this this movie and it you can tell it's low budget and it's set design oh yes my every goodness. scene in this movie i'm like it, it feels like a b-horror flick to me it does it feels like one of the later like the one of the, the set design reminds me a lot of the later nightmare on Elm streets where they had like these um complicated scenarios but they didn't have complicated sets oh okay i can see that, that. yes yeah. very that oh wow okay but um that wasn't even one of my notes my cat keeps walking in here <gasps> oh my gosh um, he keeps busting the door open i don't know if you can hear it i do hey, i teddy. love him hi teddy i'm recording you don't care you don't care about me so cute stormy's cat um last episode we were recording was literally like crawling all over her walls behind her it was so hilarious I'm waiting for him to jump up here and knock my mic over. And if he does, I'm leaving it in there because I want the people to know what I go through. <laughs> the struggle. Every day trying to, trying to record it. He won't come in here until I start recording. It's probably he knows. He's talking, but whatever. I choose to believe that it's because he's a dick. <laughs> no, all three of them are in here. That's great. But um, anyway, yeah. So this film, um, if you haven't seen this movie before and you don't want to watch it, I understand it's not it's not as terrible as it gets as people say it is um even though i did just spend like the first i don't know 10 minutes of our discussion kind of ba- like bashing it a little bit but no it's not at all terrible. um but it felt it follows buffy she's very similar to the the season one buffy in a way um she's a 90s valley girl cheerleader type whose day-to-day routine consists of you know, like just girly things, shopping, shopping, cheer, being effortlessly cool and popular and boys, um, which is, you know, how we, you know, meet Buffy in the, in the show as well. Um, unfortunately, Buffy soon finds that her, I don't know, charmed life is soon going to change forever. She meets a shady character, Merrick, who is the watcher or Giles of the movie, who reveals to her that her fate is to be the slayer. Um, before I even get into the, the plot points of this, having watched the show, is there anything in the first, I'm going to say, I think it's like 15 to 20 minutes of the movie where she meets Merrick. Um, did you enjoy seeing Buffy and her friends and like her life before realizing that she's a slayer? Um... No, she was miserable. Like, so, I mean, the worst type of character. And I guess, and it sucks because, I mean, that's Buffy's whole character, you know? Like, Valley Girl turned into the Slayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just, she was just, I don't know. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to, I guess. I was expecting more Clueless, and it just kind of felt very, everything was so harsh that they said. It didn't even come off as, like, fun or, like, flirty to me. It just felt so... I don't know. It just felt lifeless in a way. So I felt so bad. But once, you know, Mary comes into the picture and she starts like, you know, doing Buffy things is when it really kind of starts to pick up for me. But I didn't enjoy like the first 15 minutes or so. Do you feel like if you hadn't seen the show beforehand that this Buffy would be more um, like this version of Buffy would be more of a 
relatable or endearing character? Um, I think so. Just because, I mean, because I did, obviously, it was hard not to, but like going into it, I was immediately like comparing everything. Um, So yeah, I mean, just even like season one Buffy is she just, although she's a lot more, I guess less developed as she comes along in the, you know, later in the show. Uh, she doesn't feel as, as empathetic in that first season, but even like with this movie in the first 15, like 15 minutes, like she just doesn't feel like she cares about anybody but herself. And I was a little taken aback by that. I was like, ah, oh, well that's not like the Buffy I know, or, you know, the Buffy that right. I enjoy. So I think it would have helped if I, you know, obviously if I'd never seen the show, I'd be, I'd be like, Oh, she's awful. And then she turns into a good person by the end. Narratively, it makes more sense, but just coming into her already knowing the basis of like the Buffy character, it felt like super off, like from the jump. So I, I think it was definitely, you know, it was affected by my knowledge of Buffy already. So. Yeah. I, w- I started whenever I was starting to like look into the movie and research before we, you know, had our episode about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to divorce myself from the show and just look at this movie objectively as a standalone. And I think at, at points I kind of was able to, mm-hmm. but I almost prefer being able to compare the two, especially the first season, because if you look at the way that Buffy is in the 92 film, um, like you said, she's she doesn't care about anybody else but herself. And in the show, in the first episode, we see her... Um, you know, she's, she is this, this character in a way, but she sees Willow getting bullied by Cordelia at the water fountain. Um, and she doesn't just join in on the fun. Like she even kind of like looks uncomfortable and then later sits down with her and Willow's like, why are you sitting with me? Do you want me to move? And she's like, no, I want to hang out or whatever. And then they become friends. Like it's a totally different vibe definitely yeah you get a a different character like uh, the same character similar beats but a character that you immediately identify with and i think that this film actually would have felt a lot better to me if they made me care about buffy from the from the jump right let me see her be kind of a bitch you know she's a popular girl there's a hierarchy and there are rules and 90s teen films about what the popular (laughs) girl has to be but give her a little humanity like humanity definitely like they're literally sitting around a table and they're talking about uh what this what one of the characters should write um about for one of her reports or whatever about something that's uh, affecting them all and they're like uh forest fires yes and they're just like it's Uh, so vapid and you're just like what is this yeah so i was very confused yeah and it just they just didn't like they didn't bother trying to make her a likable character until about the time that she starts to uh, lose all of the world around her as everybody right. starts to like fall off because of all of her responsibilities as a slayer, right? Um, which is a similar theme in the show too, of course. You know, Buffy wants to be a teenage girl. She wants to have a normal life. She wants to go to college. Uh, in this version, she just wants to. I think it was uh, go to college move to Europe, marry Christian Slater, and die. Oh, yes. Yeah, a similar theme in the show, minus the Christian Slater part, because I think that was a bit dated. But um, but yeah, like, it's... it's. I feel like this I feel like this is a good example of, of how the, the film kind of fell short. Um, I mean, it's still a fun time. Like, even the, those first 15 minutes, we get a lot of really cheesy, silly lines from the girls. 
um, especially Hilary Swank, who I think personally is one of the stars of this film, even though she's such a hyper camp character. I just found her very enjoyable, even though she's absolutely horrible. Oh yeah. She was the best. I loved her. And I was shocked. Really well. Yes. The comedic timing that she has is amazing in this. And I didn't know she was in this movie at all. So like when she popped up on screen at the beginning, I I screamed. I was like, what the (laughs) fuck is Hillary Swank doing in this movie? And she, she towers over everybody too. She's so tall. She does. Oh my God. Yeah. She was fantastic in this movie. Not to like cut to the end, but even at the end, like when she gets her head shoved against the bleachers. Yeah. Iconic. Just like the the slow slide down. Yes. Her face. Like, I'm like, see, this movie had the, this movie's cast is actually quite stacked. Oh, yeah. It's got uh, Donald Sutherland. It's got uh, Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry, which he's, I'm not, he's not, he was never like the greatest actor or anything. You know? Oh, not but at all. He's, uh, he's enjoyable. But in this film, he, I feel like he was still getting used to like understanding how to act. I think he was just really <laughs> handsome and people were like, yeah, put him in. Oh, but, yes. Uh, he was like he he wasn't particularly uh, good. <laughs> uh, Hillary Swank is this. I think between her and Paul Rubens and uh, David Arquette, I think those three right there are the best, the best actors of this film. Oh, Technically, yeah. Donald, you know, Donald Sutherland's a great actor, but he hated this movie. Mm. Um, he hated everything about it. He was like changing his lines on the spot which enraged Joss. So that that's part of the the drama of this film. But, um, but yeah, I felt like the, the supporting characters were better. Than Buffy? Not, not better written, but like <laughs> better acted. Oh yeah. Not that Chrissy Swanson does a bad job. Like she does, she does excellent with what she's given. Um, it's just unfortunate that her character is not likable enough for me to really enjoy it. Yeah. It's, very that and i mean it just the presence that everybody else has it just yeah it was kind of unmatched so actually i i I wanted to bring this up too because i know how you feel about david arquette (laughs) um do you find him handsome in this movie yes definitely like older and scream no he was very adorable in this i thought of you immediately as soon as he popped up i and i didn't know he was in this movie either but as soon as he popped up i was like oh deputy to me like immediately i was like i was like yes i was like i'm thinking about it sydney has me thinking about it so yeah, he's very adorable in this movie whenever i was bringing up movies that we could possibly cover i picked this one actually because i knew that you one like that you that you're a big fan of the show and uh david arquette <laughs> we have a, a similar um vibration <laughs> Him. Mm, right keeping it pg i agree yeah uh but even like as even like in full vampire makeup and get up i was like you know what oh, yeah boots yeah you look in ears Absolutely. yes yes stick me down floating up against that hotel yes. window what? i was like okay okay work <laughs> a dumb scene but i loved it that's another example that um that's another great example too of what i was talking about where luke perry just doesn't do the community <laughs> beats do you remember that scene yes very well do you remember him being like, dude, man, you're floating. Like, I feel like, he, I feel like he missed, he missed an opportunity there to like really put his all into that. Right. Because this is a ridiculous, like David Arquette is giving you everything. Right. That you need to play off of. And he just failed to do it. I do. I see what you're saying. I still loved him in this movie for some reason. Maybe it is just because he's so handsome, but 
Wait, Luke? Or... No. Yeah, yeah, Luke. I was taking it back. I thought he, <laughs> I thought he was great in this movie too. But I think it's just anybody who I thought was like gorgeous and stunning. I was like, oh yeah, they're doing great. They're doing amazing. Or like everybody in this movie. Yeah, everybody's like, oh well, yeah, they're doing great. And like that's probably what it was because I think like near the end of the movie too with Luke, I was just like, I was just staring at him. And I was like, yeah. when he walks into the to the dance at the end, and I was like, you know what? he's just so handsome it's <laughs> like that's probably what my problem was the entire movie it just every time he was on screen i was like oh he's handsome but you know he did his uh, best oh the um boyfriend jeffrey buffy's boyfriend um at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. randall battenkoff i don't know that i've ever seen him in anything else um but he was very handsome too uh, yeah i was so I, okay listen so watching this movie i was like okay you know sydney's definitely feeding into like my vibe because you know we're very we're very thirsty over at slasher so watching this movie i was like why is everybody like just so good looking and yeah her boyfriend i thought they were cute one of my notes for this movie was like you know i think they're so gorgeous together i mean so like you know basic you know <laughs> the basic straight white couple but i was like they're very gorgeous together yeah no, so. they definitely they definitely did really well in the casting there um because like whenever she's cheering um and like looking over at him and he says that like little smile i'm like melt yes he was so hot in this movie i was like what and he was so tall yes so tall and i was like oh my (sighs) god i cannot deal and uh, i mean just i i was living vicariously through her this entire movie uh the scene where she like where she like came back and she jumped when she was wearing that very cute like i don't even know what it was like neon yellowy jacket i thought it was cute she was she only had oh it for like God, a yes. second but when she runs yeah. in his arms and jumps into him and he like picks her up i was like mm-hmm. ah, you know i love movies i do yeah and this is a this is a great like this is a one of those like this is so 90s oh my god this I was is so 90s. So taken aback. I, for a split second, also thought, I was like, this also feels like really 80s. Because I went into it, like, I I went into it, I didn't want to read on it. I didn't read who the cat, who was in the cast. Like, I didn't, like, look anything up Oh, you went blind, blind. I did. I was like, let me just go and see what this is about. And even, like, in the beginning with the credits, I wasn't paying attention to the credits or anything. I was like, I just don't want to see who's in this movie. So when it started, that's why I was, like, so surprised every time somebody popped up. Uh, I'm crazy. That's how I watch movies. But, uh... I even forgot what I was talking about. Do you remember what I was talking about? Boys. <laughs> oh, probably that. But uh, I don't know. It was just, I went into it. So just, it was completely blind. And I, uh, I don't know. Just everybody was so gorgeous. They were. It's a really, it's a really hot cast. Um, and I mean, for the character, like the, the tropes that they're all portraying, they did a really good job. Like, I feel like Paul Rubin's choice to be like the, the, second hand the right hand man yeah he's hilarious is perfect casting and that's another example too of and i'm gonna keep talking about this i'm not gonna let it go about how this movie feels like like it didn't know what it was it feels like to me that this movie is broken up into three parts and i don't mean act one act two act three i mean like like there were three directors and each of those three directors were to were given like the idea of what the storyline was going to be for the parts that they were going to write hmm. um, and the characters that they were going to write. And they weren't allowed to communicate with each other about what it was going to be because some of this movie feels like it's taking itself seriously. Some of it feels like it's attempting to do camp, but it doesn't want to go there. Right. And then you get to um, some of the, the scenes with the girls where they're just talking and being silly, like at the table with the, um, the, the, book report right and then paul rubin's dying at the end 
that I swear took four and a half minutes. I was I love that. I was so was taken aback. I was like, what is this like this comedy goal that's happening on screen? Cause it was so fucking hilarious. And at the moment, like you said, like it, it felt kind of out of place. Uh, every, it feels like every character is like in their own movie almost. Yeah. I feel like the direct, I feel like this is a fault of, a, and I hate being like this cause I'm pretty sure the director was female. I feel like this is the result of a bad director, not giving them what they, the notes that they need to go forward because you've got, you've got some, some seasoned actors here with Donald Sutherland and Paul Rubens. Um, and I, th- Think, I don't know if this was Hillary Swank's first movie. I doubt it. Um, she had know, a couple she was, of smaller or, roles, I think, before yeah, this. I did. I checked her IMDb <laughs> after I watched. I was like, "What did she do before this?" So she wasn't in anything like major before this. So, but she had a she had a handful. So like she's they've they've got some people who have had time on set mm-hmm. and and know how to take direction. And I feel like Paul Rubens, Donald Sutherland, and Rutger Hauer. Um, all three accomplished in their own rights were doing what they wanted. Right. Which at times works like with the, the uh, Paul Rubens death scene. But at the same time, like this is supposed to be the, the, the climax, right? Like right. we're finally, I jumped all the way to the end, but it's fine. It's okay. Um, where she's facing off against the big bad. And this is supposed to be like, I would assume a really cool fight scene. And like some some tension of some kind, and before there's even any tension built, Paul Rubens is dying for four and a half minutes, <laughs> yes. and then there's no fight scene. I mean, they fought, but like, it, did they really? Like, he comes out with a uh, uh, what's that sword called? I have no idea. Like a samurai sword, I guess. I don't know. Katana. Oh, very um, that, yeah. And she picks up a, a flag, and they do like what. 50 seconds worth of girl um, some very meh choreographed fighting it was so and bad. then it's over so bad the i don't even like i feel like they'd even like bother i don't even know she had a stunt double because if not then that would explain why these fucking like these fight scenes were like so boring like yeah. you can't have this man kill merrick you can't have him kill the watcher and then her like just beat him in two seconds like i was like excuse me you couldn't have just like didn't kill them in two seconds earlier in the movie like i was expecting something grand and we surely did not get that yeah he just like walks back and forth threatening the school children at the dance and i'm like and why right like you don't even put up a fight at all what was his like, plan uh, this whole movie I d- <laughs> like, what was he aiming question. to do I have no idea. I watched. Yeah, they they don't really give any exposition about him. Yeah, I had subtitles on. I was like, "Oh, what? I like, what are you doing?" And when they all started attacking the school, I was like, "Why?" I I know it's because Buffy's there, but like, we didn't even see him recruiting. Like, he randomly had a whole army of like vampires randomly all of a sudden, and they're just attacking the school. And like, what's happening? Like, why are we doing this? Like, what's his motive? I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, and also too, since and this is a something else I wanted to bring up with you because you've seen the show, so you know how the the lore of the Slayer works. Right. There are, you know, you got your potential Slayers, and there are Watchers assigned to each of those Slayers, right? Mm-hmm. And then whenever one Slayer dies, the next Slayer takes over. Right. Um. I don't, I don't understand how did. 
Okay, so in the opening scene, I actually finally found a way to get back to the opening scene. <laughs> so, since the dawn of man, the vampires who've walked among us, killing and feeding, uh, the only ones with the strength or skill to stop their heinous evil is the Slayer. She who bears the birthmark, the mark of the coven, uh, trained by the Watcher, one Slayer dies and the next is chosen. That's what we get uh, as far as exposition goes, explaining who the Slayer is and her purpose um, at the beginning of the film. Right. So here's where I put on my big brain hat. If, <laughs> if Buffy was supposed to get her powers or her calling um, when the last Slayer dies, um, when Merrick shows up, he says that he's he's been too he's been too late. Like it's he's not she's not been trained properly. Um, so we're to assume that Lothos has just knocked off the last the last Slayer, right? Right, because Buffy's getting her calling. Um, where was her Watcher? Am I to believe that there's only one Watcher, and that's because he says um, I've done this for a hundred lifetimes or whatever. Yeah. I, I was thinking that too. I was very confused. I mean, cause like in the show and I, again, trying to separate, but like in the show, obviously Jaws has the opportunity of like expanding like the lore and the mythos mm-hmm. of everything. So, you know, there's like multiple watchers and like, you know, just consistently, like it just makes no sense that he was like the one watcher throughout time, I guess. Yeah. I had thought maybe he was like cursed or something, but they never really explain it beyond that. And yeah. we get told that, um and also i i'm unclear if this was just a casting decision or if this is part of the lore are all the slayers supposed to look the same because chrissy swanson plays both ye old slayer and buffy slayer no i mean i would say no i think they probably did that just to put her in a really bad wig but um (laughs) because no excuse yeah, they needed an excuse because then she's going through like her lifetime, you know, in her dreams or whatever. And she had been all those other things in her life. Like, obviously, it wouldn't look like her. I'm assuming they wouldn't look like her, but I wouldn't think so. And especially if you kind of look into the show also, like they don't look the same. So they were, yeah, just, that was they just were trying to. I was confused by the, the show versus the movie was that, you know, do they all, is it like a reincarnation thing in the movie? And then in the show, it's actually like. But then again, if it's reincarnation, how are the Slayers, when they die, like Buffy's already lived a full life? I also I, I also think of that also. Because yeah. like, I don't know. That's crazy. Slayer I mean, lore I mean, is crazy. I'm obviously being very nitpicky about the movie. Um, oh, but that's okay. It deserves. But yeah, that was just something that I'd, like in the, the my first watch through, I was I was like, what's this about? Why? Why hasn't her watcher shown up to teach her? Granted, the same thing basically happens in the movie, but, you know, um, at least by that point, she already is aware of vampires and she's already fought some. Right. Um, I don't know. It's crazy. Because, like, even in the show, like, when she... Because uh, she comes into the show, like, already having had a watcher, you know, and she's assigned another one. So, right. like, I don't... Like, I mean, obviously, it's Giles. So it just, it doesn't make sense. The movie definitely doesn't feel fleshed out enough. Like, it just feels like it was all his ideas, or at least what he could fit into the movie of his ideas. That was, like, the starting point on what Buffy would become. Because, yeah, the movie was very confusing. 
even like because yeah. like you said i mean we come to know this lore so we already know how it kind of works and then like there's like these like small plot holes with them you know or with the lore and you're just like you know, like what are they trying to do on top of like trying to make us like care about these characters who are so like just so like vapid and boring and everybody's in their own movie and i'm sure donald sutherland probably himself decided just to change his character arc because we probably could have got more from him but he probably didn't want to give us any of that apparently yeah I mean, I don't know all of the details about what happened on set. There's not really a lot of information out there that I could find because I definitely looked. I was trying to find any reason to be able to explain away some of the problems of this movie. Um, and, you know, Joss has, Joss has talked about about it a little bit, but not as far as I could find uh, in depth. Um, and I have the Blu-ray for this and it has like zero special features. Oh, my God. They just want us to forget about this movie. I think they really do. I think Joss wants us to stop fucking talking about it. Yeah, probably. He's probably going to be, he's probably going to cease and desist. If one more queer horror podcast talks about this damn movie, (laughs) let it die. He wants it to be just wiped from the internet, clearly, because there isn't a lot of information on this movie at all. It's just like there. It's so weird. Like even the IM, like usually I can go to IMDB. Like, have you ever gone to the Scream, uh, the Scream 1 and 2 IMDB? Of course. And looked at the trivia? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's some of it's absolute nonsense. Like, I'm pretty sure people just put it in there, but like, it's it's got a deep history of what it was like on set. Um, you know, any drama between actors and directors right. and script leaks. This basically has none of that. Like, it has very little to go off of. It's a very dry well. Very that. So, um, so yeah. Anyway, um, so following, um, you know, the first twenty minutes of the film. Uh, you kind of get to know who Buffy is. She's, you know, kind of all about herself and um, her friends are not great. And she's got a boyfriend who is just your run-of-the-mill average high school jock. Um, Her mom doesn't really care about her, uh, which is also kind of a callback, I think, to, or I guess season one is a callback to that mom because Joyce is very aloof, I'll say. She was. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and doesn't really get any character development until later, but we get to see her mom and uh, Buffy makes a comment that um, when her mom says, bye Bobby, uh, <laughs> she's he's like, she thinks my name is Bobby. And she's like, she probably thinks my name is Bobby. Uh, <laughs> A tumultuous you know, relationship. Yeah. just doesn't care at all. She doesn't really seem to be aware of her daughter uh, in any important way. Um, which I guess could maybe explain why she's all about herself because maybe she's had to do that her whole life. I don't know. Right. Uh, she lives in like LA and she seems like she's got money. So I'm assuming her life isn't that bad, but whatever. Right. Um, so Merrick uh, approaches Buffy while she um, is doing some solo acrobatic cheer practice stuff after everybody else leaves. Um, I also and- want to say not to cut you off. Um, oh yeah, what's that? But with that, when she started doing like all those crazy flips in the gym, I was like, immediately, I was like, why do you not bring that to your cheer routines? Because their cheer routine at the beginning, which also that so boring, so boring, so bad, and it was so long and so drawn out. But it was bad, like it was bad, like it was TikTok dance levels bad. And so then we get to her at, in the gym by herself, and she's like fucking a gymnast all of a sudden. I was like, why are you not bringing that to your cheer routines, like? you guys are awful as cheerleaders, but she's also a gymnast. So like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. She, but she says in the, uh, some, at some point in the movie that she, uh, I think it's in this scene that she used to do gymnastics. Right. He compliments her tumble. 
Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if maybe the other girls just aren't at that level. <laughs> Bury that. Um, I have no idea, but yeah, that's just something that I, I noticed too. Like for her to be like, for her to be a cheerleader, to be such a core and central part of her, of her character as we know her, um, especially for it to be the opening sequence in the cheer routine, <laughs> You would expect a little bit more of... Uh, I'm not saying it needs to be bring it on level. Right. Um, but that's what but, I wanted. Yeah, that's what I wanted too. But I don't need it to be perfectly bring it on because that's a, a movie explicitly about cheerleading, so it has to be perfect. But give us, like, at least, like, try to... to a cartwheel. A cart a, a cartwheel. We didn't get one. a single one. They're always vertical. Why? Right. It felt like my high school cheerleaders. Yeah. Like, un, like unimpressive. And they were so or, bad. Like, um downloaded mix like yes. mixes and it's just i don't know it was it was it was not the tea oh, but yeah like that was something too that was interesting is that like even like as she starts to become the slayer um you know at next thing you know she goes from cheerleading and like doing two steps and <laughs> pom-pom shakes to like for no reason at all doing like six backflips to get to point a to b <laughs> just run there just I enjoy that. I love that. <laughs> you know, if if I if I was capable, I would I would probably like oh same, like handspring my way everywhere. Oh, very like, through through the Target department store aisles. <laughs> I Walking get that. My hands. Just very strange that that was the that that was the cheer team, but um, but yeah. So he runs into her or approaches her, I should say, and you know he makes no effort at all at all to be subtle or um to like not seem creepy not seem creepy (laughs) explain to her what's going on he's like immediately given like creep vibes um and if you've done this a hundred times which we are led to believe that he's done this hundreds of times over many lifetimes or whatever you'd think that he'd learn to like not be a creep to young women because I cannot <laughs> believe that she's the first girl who's ever been put off by him. Um, but he comes to her and proves to her that he's not some skanky old guy because <laughs> he's aware of her dreams. Um, and he can like point out details of things that she's never talked about uh, that take place in her dreams, calling back to where she dreams about previous lives or whatever, uh, or, um, other slayers throughout history like she's having those um, those season one dreams where she's like kind of <laughs> prophesizing or whatever right uh, to a degree so she decides that she's going to go ahead and go with him to the graveyard um, where you know she's going to meet one of the, the slay- or slayers one of the vampires who recently was turned and they're going to watch him be risen um, that ends up being another one that she's basically sitting on who pops out and attacks her and she kills them both. Um, and she realizes her fate and agrees to work with Merrick and to train with him, but on her own terms. Um, this is very much the same Buffy that we know from the show where she's, you know, she's got a watcher. The watcher wants to give her discipline and she wants to do things her way and it works. Oh, yeah. you know, like that's, that's the best. That's why, this slayer lasts longer than other slayers. Um, she does it her way. Yeah. She's, 
she's gonna go out and she's gonna do it and be creative and fun with it so it's the dialogue talking, the witty dialogue is what keeps her alive tea it's all of the snappy uh all of the snappy retorts uh-huh. and puns the quips the quips um so buffy trains and accepts her calling and as that happens her friendships and her dedication to cheerleading and her relationship to her boyfriend jeffrey suffer um again very much like the show uh she struggles to find the place she used to occupy in the world as you know important or worthwhile um now that she's got you know been she's been tasked with saving the world um and taking out Lothos. Uh, she starts to like get a, I don't know her. Did you feel like her, her romance that kind of butted with uh, Pike felt natural? No, I didn't either. Not at all. And like, it just all felt so confusing and even like her disintegration of her friendships and relationships. Those that just seems so random just cause I mean, the characters are just like, so, uh, one-dimensional although hilarious like they don't have a lot of depth to them uh so it just felt like so like random and even at the end like she still like desperately goes back to the dance and like she tells her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend at that point she's like well we were supposed to meet here together so it's like she's still like i don't know it just felt very forced yeah like she had no idea that all this was going on i mean i don't don't know how i don't know how many days we're led to believe that it's not very long um i would actually maybe say i mean i have this is based on nothing this is just conjecture I think this movie takes place over maybe a week or two. Okay, I was thinking maybe... Maybe a month? Maybe a month. Maybe. Because maybe you at least need a month to plan like a dance. Because they're planning a dance at the beginning of the movie, and at the end of the movie, they're at said dance. That's so I would true. assume yeah. at least maybe a month. But that's How fast do those high school girls work to put together a bunch of shitty decorations for this ugly-ass dance in Los right. Angeles? Right, right. Because I know in our... Uh, our dances were put together in like maybe three weeks. So that was my assumption, but a lot happens in three weeks. Like she falls in love with Pike and is doing flips and loses a watcher and kills <laughs> like Fafos. And it's just like a master. whole lot. Yes. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is insane. Whereas I think the, the first season took place more or less over like a school year. Yeah. Almost a whole yeah. school year. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So like that's, that's, I, and that's another problem with the movie too, with not this movie, but movies in general, is that you don't really get to have a lot of time spent with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get a lot of, I mean, good good directors and good writers can do it, <laughs> um, but left in the hands of people who don't know what they're doing, you don't really get that much needed uh, exposition and whatnot. So, right. Um, yeah, I'm I'm glad that you didn't really get the the Pike romance either it just didn't really feel like it really kind of crescendoed uh, or built up at all it just kind of it was there and then we were like oh okay this is happening yeah i uh, thought he was gonna die this entire movie yeah you think he would i was kind of hoping <laughs> i kind of i mean i understand why they didn't kill him um but i i honestly would have rather he had died rather than merrick right and the reason for that is because it's clear that she still has a whole, whole lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and they we didn't get to explore her relationship with Merrick much at all. Um, she goes from kind of thinking that he's a creep to kind of being cool during the training. And they have, like, moments where she, uh, she like, throws a, throws a steak 
and it hits a dummy in a <laughs> like leg or something and they spend a little time like I guess trying to do like a character beat or comedy bit. <laughs> yeah, they surely did. Um, it fell it fell flat a little bit. But <laughs> um, yeah, their like whole the, chemistry was together was very flat. Very flat, and that's something. That's the relationship that you need to be really good. Right. You need the relationship with the love interest to be really good. You need the relationship with the the father figure slash um, mentor to be good. Otherwise, you don't have a you you can't tell your story properly. Exactly, and that's something that this again that this movie um, fell short on. So, uh, yeah. So she she starts to. I don't even think I introduced Pike really. Pike's like the burnout bike riding trope type of a '90s movie. He's uh, leather jackets, as they say. Homeless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a homeless. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she starts to see him in a new light, and of course, he's not what her friends think she should be with and you know they're gonna be dicks about it it's very like skater boy oh my god thank you for saying it yes um so uh there's not really a lot of i don't feel like meat in the the middle of the movie i think it's because we spent we spent a good portion of the first act not even like getting any character development or anything from the 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 friends and then all um, <laughs> into her realizing that she's a slayer and agreeing to work with Merrick. Um, but we do have a couple of scenes with vampires um, attacking a girl from the beginning of the movie that I don't even know if they ever gave her a name. It's the one, I think, who... I think it's the same one who uh, was talking about her book report. Oh, you're and, right. <laughs> yeah, she, she either dies or gets turned. I don't really remember, but she gets brought back to the lair. <laughs> Where, oh my god, and this is the costume that I wanted to talk to you about. Do you remember whenever Lothos is like floating in the air and he's like got his cloak <laughs> wrapped around his body yes. and then he uses, he's got those like drag queen uh, like, I don't know poles and his whole <laughs> cape and he like brings his arms up to like reveal his like cape bat like bat wings. A full moment. That was so cringy. Oh my god cringy like he literally looked like that looked like an amazon like dragon's <laughs> first set of wings disco wings in black where's the budget where's the budget there is no budget they don't have one i don't know what they were doing but all of it oh my god the costuming is so bad so bad that was the worst co- i think that's the worst costume in the in the movie on the other side the best costume in the movie is the um those vampires that we don't know where they came from it was like evil those... i think it's evil dead too is that the punk one the uh... punk rock is it evil dead that i'm thinking of not of the living dead too Oh, you're thinking Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love. Yeah, very that. Zombies. It's very that. Yeah, it's very thriller. Yes, it was so bad. I actually really enjoyed those because they were, and especially whenever they're like doing nothing outside. um, You know what I wrote down for those? Kissing and like (laughs) hunched over. I put down that they remind me of, um, it felt like an SNL sketch or something. Like they felt like so stupid. (laughs) And they're like, come outside, Buffy. I was like, weren't you invited in like you can come in and kill her and you're like you better meet us outside (laughs) it's a fucking school you can go in it's a public space which they talk about in the show and they didn't even like and it was just so so stupid but they were very funny i did love yeah they were really fun and i i I like their i like their get up a lot i was (laughs) like this is this is a fun little moment this is charming 
Honestly, um, the prom was a fucking that. disaster. I mean, I don't know. We're jumping. But that one teacher, was he the teacher or the principal? Oh, my God. The principal got on my nerves so he bad. He was so stupid. Handing out detention slips to the dead students? Yeah. Honestly. Detention, detention, detention. So stupid. Detention, detention. I'm like, why, what is, is this? Is this <laughs> the, 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 the comedy bit from the, the, like, adults are so dumb moment in, like, a 90s? It felt like Saved by the Bell, almost. Very. <gasps> Nail on the head, Saved by the Bell and Mr. Feeney from yep. Boy Meets World. <gasps> yes. Oh, my god. Or goodness. the principal from Sabrina. It's all <laughs> 90s shit, too. Holy wow. Yeah, very that. Um, I don't know what his purpose was. I don't feel like he was needed. At all. He was useless. Yeah, and he, like, walks up to the kids at the beginning, and he's like, um, God, he was so he was so forgettable. I don't remember his line. <laughs> was. I remember every time I, every time I watch it, and I watch this movie three times this week. <laughs> Every time it's on screen, I'm like drooling and checking out, and not drooling in like a like ooh, oh daddy. yeah yeah it's like <laughs> drooling like I'm falling asleep. I'm tired. Sucks. No reason for him to be in this. <laughs> ooh, but um, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll let off. I'll let off the principal because it's 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 been done. This movie's so old. So, <laughs> um, how old is this movie? Oh my god, don't make me do 92. quick math. How old am I? I'm 28. I was born in 92. Okay, so this movie is 28 years old. Oh, it's wow. It's going year anniversary. Oh, yeah, it's going to be the anniversary soon as well. That's crazy. I had to ask how old this movie was. <laughs> Your birth year? <laughs> oh my god. Your actual birth year. Yeah. Um. Wow, that is crazy. I mean, and 28 doesn't even feel old, but like in terms of like a movie, like the yeah, fact that this really... came out 28 years ago is so crazy. My birthday was cursed. My birthday was the day that Golden Girls left the air. Oh. The year that this, this movie came out. My so, goodness. I'm so sorry. Maybe I was the harbinger of doom all along. <laughs> Your birth is what set us in motion to have 2020. Oh, no. They're going to cancel you. I don't know you. that I could take I don't, I don't know that <laughs> responsibility for, for all of 2020. Canceled immediately. Canceled we- we have to go it. back and make sure that you're born a day later. We're gonna have to like go back in time, like a full Back to the Future moment, and make sure you're born. Like put it off your labor to one day, just so we can. Like, That's fine. Get past you know, get past 2020 again. One year or one day, one day younger would be nice. Oh, okay, yeah. Let's do that. Everybody deserves to feel a little bit younger. Yeah, I just want to feel young and youthful and beautiful and have like elasticity on my skin again. Oh, yeah. Stunning. Oh yeah, and you deserve. I do, I do. I do deserve I work hard. I'm a hard worker. Yeah, very that. You're going to be, like, draped in, like, these crazy drapes that Lothos has one day. More expensive, but... More expensive, <laughs> and not going to have fucking little aluminum poles in them or whatever he used. <laughs> like, that was so... That was... The, like, just, to, just to circle back, I hate everything about that. It yes. looks like amateur drag show wings. <laughs> yeah. I know those wings well because I was an amateur drag queen for... How long have I been doing drag? <laughs> years? Like, five years. So, anyway, you speak um, from experience. I do. I speak from too close, too close <laughs> for comfort experience. Um. So, yeah. So we're at, we're at the point where they've like we cut out most of the meat. Um. Eventually, she she runs into Lothos. Um. After the basketball game, which I don't even want to. I don't really want to gloss over the basketball game because that was a very ridiculous chaotic. moment, and I actually <laughs> so chaotic low-key enjoyed parts of it um my issue is the vampire (laughs) his hissing he was ridiculous was he not very and like all of these people are seeing this guy float after do it after (laughs) 
uh, what do they call it? Dunking. Yes, he dunks yeah. Um, so yeah, he dunks the ball or whatever in the, the hoop thing. And he's like floating down and nobody's <laughs> saying anything like, cut off by this. They're just like, <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Isn't it? Okay. But listen, small town. Well, I guess this is Los Angeles. Never mind. I would say yeah. like small town people, yeah, they'll turn a blind eye to anything. They don't care. They just, none of it matters to them. You know, they just, they just pray on Jesus and hope it goes away. But LA, like they should have been fucking like aware because he's clearly yeah. a vampire. Like he's clearly a vampire and they're just like letting him play this basketball game. Yeah, he's got like full, like he's got the biggest vampire teeth I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Like they are huge. And he's, so he's like doing this weird tongue thing. Again, <laughs> the direct the direction, this seems like a different fucking movie because the way he's acting is not at all like what David Arquette acts like. Right. Um, you know, David is definitely like very, um, what's the, what's the word? I'm trying to compare him to somebody in, a, in another movie of, way, of the way he behaves. I'm not quite but sure. I can't think of anybody. I don't know. He's very, he's very goofy, but he's not like, <sighs> yeah, like slapsticky almost. Yeah. And then you've got Lothos who's like all serious. And then you've like these, these don't, the universe of vampires here does not flow. <laughs> at all it makes no all. sense everybody's in their own movie i felt like i was watching like teen wolf like with that fucking basketball scene which is like a very that different yeah vibe. that was that was one thing that i was thinking too is it's the scene felt like maybe they were trying to pay homage to teen wolf um and it takes merrick and buffy forever to realize that he's a vampire like it's their job what are they doing it's literally your job girl look at him i as the viewer looked at him and immediately was like that is the most vampire looking <laughs> most ridiculously you know makeup to vampire yes. clearly a vampire girl go to your job like please she's like is that a vampire and like looks over at merrick for permission to think <laughs> a vampire and he's like oh <laughs> and then she just runs out on the court and uh kicks him once and suddenly he knows that she's a slayer <laughs> she like it was it makes no sense none of this makes sense and everybody's like taken aback he and knows my name <laughs> I so know him out. and she chases him down. Yeah. But do and you know she... him? Oh God. I do have a note here. I do have a note here. Oh, it's that scene after the, the gym scene where she goes out to the bikers and one of them's like, Hey honey, you want some uh, real power between your legs? So good. And she's like, actually, yeah, I do. And then she takes this bike and then he calls her the Diesler. Yes. I was saying that too. I was like, I hate that we had to hear the Diesler in this movie. I hate that. For what reason? Right. Who wrote that in this, this movie? Was, if this was a queer writer writing this, I could maybe forgive it because this is supposed to be camp, but you didn't appropriately make this movie camp for you to be able to use a, use the D slur or use any slur. The worst. Truly the worst. It's kind of like, um, like, but I'm a cheerleader. Oh, yes. Iconic. Aspects of this movie remind me of that in the writing. Um, but I'm a cheerleader can use that word. Right, because the context of the film. I'm a cheerleader. Can call me a can call me a. um, I always bleep it out. Can call me a (laughs) faggot, but this movie cannot call me a faggot. Not at all. And this movie does that with the D word. So yeah, not here for it. Not at all. Um, I hate it that moment. Every time I watch it, I'm just I always like immediately roll my eyes. It just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't vibe with the court. It doesn't at all. It was disgusting, and I was just like. 
And I mean, they're trying to piggyback, I guess, off the aspect that, you know, it's a female-led film. But, like, you, it just it just doesn't work. And like you said, they just don't have the permission to do such. It was so annoying. Yeah, and it was unnecessary. It was just so unnecessary. Because it didn't do anything. It doesn't, like... No, it, it doesn't get a reaction from her. She just drives off in the night. Like, they... They literally just put that in there to put that in there. It yeah. doesn't serve a purpose. It was useless. Very 90s. Very 90s. Yeah. Very. And that was something that they did a lot. And they even did it in um, uh, to call back to Bring It On. They they do it and Bring It On. They say uh, Dykedelic. Oh, yes. Um, And I, I that's not my word to say whether or not they can use. Right. At, at least in that movie, they had queer representation. Right like explicit like confirmed queer representation this movie just kind of hints a little bit i guess at lothos and uh what's his name amelin it's hard to say it's hard to say his name i it's hard for me to say his name (laughs) i'm gonna call him amy lynn oh so lothos and amy lynn um paul rubin's character kind of have like a pseudo sexual oh very gay every vampire is gay period point blank i said it i don't care it's true they're all gay you can't Um, live that long and not just like you know take a dick right so they that's you know that's the closest that we get to queer representation in this is uh lothos and amelin aside from like the campy aspects which are inherently queer right um but yeah anyway so she runs after uh she runs after basketball vampire boy (laughs) because he knows her name um and this is where we get to see or buffy gets to meet lothos for the first time in person and not just in a dream or being cuddled up in her bed. Um, so she runs in to fight, and uh, Pike shows up, and Merrick shows up, and they fight off of, like, maybe two vampires, I think. Right. Um, and then she gets entranced by Lothos, and he beckons her forward, and she goes, um, and right as he's going to kill her, um, Merrick steps up, and he's like, no, not this one. Which kind of, and this might be me reaching because of the show, kind of felt like maybe a moment um, akin to the um, episode of Buffy where she, uh, I think it's it's the one where she has to do the trial where Giles is drugging her. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Um, and we kind of get to see like a father figure moment where he's, he fights with the council on her behalf. I think she fired the council that episode or at least told him to go fuck off. Yeah, she did. This moment kind of felt like that to me. Like if this movie had more of these beats, I feel like it would be better because we would have a, a relationship that we care about, but we never got that with these two at all. We got that montage and that didn't do anything for me. It didn't do anything for me. And it wasn't even a good montage. Not at all. It was awful. And so long. And the music didn't like hype me up. Like if you're going to do montage, it has to be like Rocky, like give me some Rocky vibes. And I just, I don't know. So this is a, I keep talking about the fucking show and I did not mean to do that, but like that, I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. And I feel like that that's a, a valid point to bring up is that there, there is clearly the ingredients are here. Oh right? yeah. It just never, it just never actually happened, which is too bad because then Merrick dies. Like he gets killed with his own weapon, uh, <laughs> unceremoniously and anticlimactically, um, by Lothos who then decides she's not ready. Right. Which is exactly what you were just told by Merrick. And then you killed him. 
<laughs> so you agree? Makes no like what? And and for what reason? So yeah. Um so Merrick's dead and Buffy is distraught and traumatized, uh, as expected. And I guess at this point, like they don't really explain it. She's just walking down the street and she's like, um, arguing with Pike. Uh, she just wants to dance, basically. <laughs> she does put loose. Um, I didn't even, I even, I glossed over the part about the remember the music. Did you get anything out of that? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I, I haven't. I still don't know what that's about, and I watched it three times this week. <laughs> <laughs> the movie has the problem of like making you feel like you fell asleep watching it. Yeah. And I wasn't like, I was like, I like something would happen. And I'd be like, wait, did I fall asleep and like miss like five minutes of something like setting this up? Cause stuff just happens. And I'm like, I feel like we had like, no, like when Pike has like that fucking like motorbike out of nowhere, I was like, did I miss, did I fall asleep during like a portion where he was like saying he wanted this? Like I was so confused. I wondered if he had stolen it. I don't even know. We don't know. We don't have, it just, it just happened. I was so confused. He suddenly has a bike. He goes from, basically being a homeless <laughs> a homeless yeah um david arquette's character not having uh a car yet he mentions it at the beginning like oh i'm gonna have her finished up in about a week maybe that's the maybe he wasn't talking about a car maybe he was talking about his motorbike oh maybe maybe they didn't explain it for me to know for sure they didn't uh, he didn't say it's a cute bike or anything also yeah. not to go back but to go back a little bit they were also a little bit gay the little introduction when they're walking oh, down yeah, yeah, when yeah. uh when Benny dies, it was a little gay. He even says, yeah, you know like what does he say? Um Like he would have to sleep with him or something. I don't know. I was very hot and bothered, so I just you know, I was all blocked out from my memory <laughs> now. But it was a little bit gay, it was a little bit fun. You always liked little yeah. gay moments like this in movies, because that's all we had for the longest. So Yeah, I think he says one more drink and I'll have sex with you or something. Oh yeah, see like, Oh, like you you uh and you wouldn't call me back and I'm like, Oh, kind of cute so cute so but also like you know gay culture the the toxic nature of that because that's just how it is but i was very obsessed so they were a little bit gay but then benny dies very fast definitely here for having a soundbite of david arquette saying that he'll sleep with me oh my god yes i all leave in my head forever oh my god yes oh my god my new ringtone really honestly that would not be a horrible type (laughs) for the hubby (laughs) <laughs> but yes they were pretty gay just to get back to being gay a little bit yeah and that, I, that was one of the things i usually try to do is find a queer reading of this and i never even like it never stuck out to me that obviously gay-ish scene oh yeah i was there's there's, there's clear dialogue <laughs> yeah i was like not even not even here like thinking about it you were just staring at david arquette that's all tea um, i don't blame you but yeah, so they, they, he before as he's dying, he starts playing <laughs> music. I don't. I'm not going to talk about it any more than that. I'm just going to mention it, <sighs> listeners. If you know what this is about, please educate me because I there's a violin at the end and it plays and then it stops. You're right. Like, oh yeah, remember the music. When the music stops, what is the music? I have no is idea. That how she gets, is that how she's how she's entranced? I don't was there know. Music playing when he entranced her before, and also, does he have like some kind of weird like like I don't know? Is he like psychic? Does he know like in that moment, like when the violin stops, like that's when she has her chance to kill him? So do they have like this weird telepathic thing happening? I don't know. They could have. I mean, they use those awful like flashback scenes to show her dreaming. They could have showed us like 
some type of weird 90s looking shit but they could have like showed us them having like a psychic link or something i don't know because yeah. that was very confusing I mean, yeah they don't it's kind of implied maybe that he has like a dracula-esque power <laughs> i would have rather them have said that he by like eye contact with him <laughs> yeah. rather than music because i movies have scores so right. how am i as the how am i as the audience supposed to know what's unless you establish what it sounds like with whenever he tran- entrances someone how am i supposed to know that music cue means that she's being entranced very that again that's a problem i think with the director <laughs> um so yeah shocked and traumatized by the event she's withdraws from her slayer duties she's pissed off at the world merrick's dead um, she kind of basically tells Pike to go fuck off. Um, and you know, that's that. So she's going to try to go back to her old life, but her friends have left her behind and she is going to go to the dance. She gets to the dance and she thinks she's going with Jeffrey because why wouldn't she? It's only been like two weeks. <laughs> right. And she finds out that Jeffrey is there with one of her friends. Um, the worst of the bunch also. Uh, yeah. Def- <laughs> She was the one who was like the the most. Um, she had no personality. She was just no following everybody. Very yeah, exactly that. She was the harmony. <laughs> oh my god, yes, very that. For another callback to the show that I said I wasn't going to talk about the whole time, um, but yeah, so she's she finds out that he broke up with her machine, and she's very upset, which is such an aging. <laughs> I know. For this movie, I he was... broke up with my machine. <laughs> <laughs> like, but... Oh my god. Um, so yeah, so she, you know, that, that's, that's where we're at. She's her whole life, uh, her old life isn't there for her anymore. Um, and then vampires show up, uh, Pike is there. I don't remember how Pike got there, but Pike is there <laughs> and, um, he helps kind of helps her, you know, defeat some vamps. And, uh, this is where we get those fun eighties, like vamps that we were talking about before the yes. very, like, uh, not as living dead. I think it was return of the living dead return of the living dead. Um, and, uh, she faces off with Lothos. She goes back there and, uh, this was a weird, a weird moment too, that I don't really understand why it was there. Um, she starts to fight Amy Lynn and Lothos has the opportunity to play the violin. Oh, he does have the violin. He does. Yeah. Um, Because he, because Amy Lynn thinks that, he's going to play the violin to subdue her so that she won't stake him. And he like wags his finger. No, right. Lothos does. And Amy Lynn's like, read <laughs> right that. Him. And that's whenever he takes four and a half minutes to die. <laughs> um, and then she gets up and she's going to fight Lothos. The music stops because the power went out. I think. Right. What is happening in this fucking how's the violin? How's the violin? not gonna how's the violin not gonna work if there's no power right it's a violin <laughs> i'm sure it doesn't even have to be connected to an amp or anything it's just a violin right play your song girl <laughs> and then the power's she's out stopped. yeah the power's out so she's like remember the music when the music stops and apparently we're supposed to know what that means um so now she's able to fight him so she uh she tries to get him with the crucifix and he's like not even bothered uh, he sets it on fire and she's like, haha, got you and brings out her aerosol hairspray, um, <laughs> her big and sexy 
Oh, right. Very that. Sprays him right in the face and then gets away. He, of course, chases her out because he's not done yet. He comes out and he's going to kill all the kids. (laughs) Um, And they have a, I guess we'll call it a fight scene. Barely. Comes out with a samurai sword, katana thing. And she gets a flagpole and they do like 50 seconds worth of some uh, (laughs) fighting fighting (laughs) honestly it felt more like whenever you're you're marking for like uh oh okay okay like where you're figuring out where you're gonna be for each movement right it felt more like that it felt like a rehearsal it did first rehearsal i was getting like she was like visiting him in the nursing home and he was like throwing a fit and she was trying to like calm him down a little bit that's what i was getting though he's like swinging his cane Mm -hmm. yeah and she's like like, using a walker to block the cane yeah uh, yeah yeah very that she was just she you know she's just volunteering you know it was it was you know i don't know it was party night that's why she has her cute little dress on also the dress i love the uh not to obviously go back to the show but you know uh the finale of season one, Buffy's whole getup is, you know, a whole moment in time at this point. So I, I loved it. You know, I love that yeah, they no, that did the same thing the, here. One of the things that I took note of too, and I wondered if maybe that was part of the, um, part of like if maybe having her in that white dress was a callback to, the movie. Oh, definitely. You can tell because that was a, it just it was cute. I mean, you know, like the dress and the leather jacket, just you know. The contrast of the two is, it's a nice visual, so it's very cute. So I was very happy about that. Yeah. And you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, with this scene in particular, where she faces off against Lothos, um, we need to get we need to get Joss on the line. Um, <laughs> do you have his number? No, I, but I can just see him, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, wanna, I just want to ask him. I'm sure he wants to answer more questions about Both the show that's <laughs> 15 years and the movie that's 28 years old. But... Um, yeah, like this is this is a, a a moment where maybe the master was supposed to be a um, a mirror of Lothos because oh think about it they have very similar powers they do we never we never find out what Lothos's whole thing is like why why we never find out what he's about what he wants to do what his goal is right his, he he exists solely to kill the slayer. I guess. Um, and in the show, of course, you know, the master's bogged down by being trapped underneath the church or whatever, but he's right. able to like control Buffy and entrance her. Um, yeah. I wonder if this is maybe the, maybe the first season was just his, his thing with like wanting to tell the story of the first movie. And over again. Almost. Yeah, over again and, and with some much needed tweaking. I always thought that this movie was like a prequel for some reason. Like I thought this is like what happened and then the show was like going to pick up years later. That's what I always thought in my mind. Because I know in the show, I don't know which season it is. It might be the first, Well, I mean, obviously in the first season, they mentioned her burning down her old high school's gym. So, and at one point later on in the show too, they even mentioned her watcher killing himself, I think. So I like went into this thinking like that was going to happen. Like I thought, you know, Merrick was going to kill himself and I thought she was going to burn the school down at the end. That's why I thought Pike was dying the entire time. Cause you know, she comes to Sunnydale with nobody and just, you know, her and her oh, mom. Yeah. That's what I thought the entire time, like leading into this movie that I don't know why I thought it was a prequel, but obviously like some things were different and I'm sure, I don't even know. There's probably like a comic book or something out there where they like 
retell the prequel of what really happened when the school burned down and everything from the show. But I thought that's what this movie was. And it was obviously he was able to expand on this movie and actually like make more of it. But I, that's what I thought the entire time. And it wasn't that. I haven't really read any of the Buffy comics aside from season seven. Oh, me either. I, I can't, I can barely read a book at this point in my life. It's so hard. The, um, the season seven comics are, they take some creative liberties. Do Uh, they? Buffy has a, moment of lesbianism for like, three <gasps> pages um that's what we deserve exciting. oh lame. i'll be honest it's more of like uh she tried it out it didn't fit i mean i guess sorry. better than nothing i suppose even though i fully so, believe her and faith are or were a thing oh absolutely there was definitely some uh some the tension was like ridiculous yeah um i definitely i definitely subscribe to that me too i'm one of those um i looked up the origin buffy comic and he wrote the tv pilot episode of buffy as a sequel to his original movie script oh okay see i was kind of getting those vibes so for you and our listeners you can find the tv pilot on youtube the unaired tv pilot that's so crazy i'm gonna have to find it yeah it has a different girl playing willow <gasps> a completely different girl it's very awkward oh what uh, omg yeah, is xander still the same uh, i think so i'm fairly certain that nicholas brendan's in the the tv pilot um the set is completely different too like it looks terrible but i mean it's an unaired pilot for that a reason it's crazy oh my goodness i'm gonna have to go like find that immediately yeah as soon as we get done and watch it it's only like um it's not very long i think it's like 20 minutes it's like 20 minutes yeah it's not a it's not like a full like a full thing but um there's three or three stories in the origin comics there's buffy is a popular high school student who's planning her next big school dance merrick a watcher approaches her and announces that she has become the one and only vampire slayer um origin Ooh. 2 buffy summers learns how to fight vampires while her normal life is falling apart meanwhile the evil vampire lothos is gathering together a large group of undead americans hoping to spread evil across the country or sorry across the city the rebel pike becomes entangled in buffy's destiny origin 3 buffy's watcher merrick is no more buffy has to deal with the evil of lothos with only pike to help her and must somehow negotiate the school dance and a growing evil. In the end, the school gym is burned down, a major variation mm. from the original film in which the gym still stands at the story's end, but in agreement with the TV series in which Buffy is notorious for having burned it down and is cited as the reason for her moving to Sunnydale. Okay, see, I knew there was some type of like correlation. Yeah, so you can kind of read this as a prequel, honestly. That's how I was treating it the entire time. Except for the fact that she's a senior in this movie, I believe. And Buffy, I don't think she starts the show as a senior, obviously. So that was the only thing no, that was yeah. kind of throwing me off. And that's when like, I was taking out of my fantasy. Because that's how I was building it in my head. I was like, if I'm going to get through this movie, I'm just going to pretend it's a prequel. And just like take it in what it is and learn about Buffy, who she was before she got to Sunnydale. But, you know, she was a senior in this movie. So I was like, ah, that took me out of it immediately. But that was my building block for this movie, was treating it as a prequel. 
interestingly enough, <laughs> more tidbits. I should have just went to Wikipedia and looked up the looked up the uh, <laughs> comic book origins. So, uh, on on this Wikipedia for the origin, under canon status, it states. Whedon stated, the original comic, though I have issues with it, can be pretty much accepted as uh, canonical. They did a cool job of combining the movie script with the series. That was nice. And using the series, Merrick, and not a certain other, all caps, lesbian, referring to Donald Sutherland, who shall remain hated. (laughs) Is this like the official Buffy wiki? No, this is Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I was like, those Buffy stands are surely getting so shady. No, this is this is Whedon saying this. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, yeah. master of the stands. Okay, crazed, crazed. I love it though. That's, uh, the drama. I just shared it for you to, to look at if you want to pull it up for later. But yeah, um, so yeah, apparently that I never even read this as a prequel. If they had burned the school down at the end, it would have uh, been better. I mean, they would have had to know that there was going to be a TV show. Oh, you're right. But, yeah, they didn't know. But now I can watch this and try and enjoy it more as a prequel. Because she did have a Slayer before. Or a Slayer. A Watcher, watcher. right. Um, and he did die. I don't know if he took his life or or what. But, yeah. Crazy stuff. I don't know if they mentioned his name in the show. I don't think they ever mentioned Merrick. Okay, that's what I thought. I could have sworn that they had it. So, okay, good. I was like, I can't be a bad Buffy fan. I like not remember because I was like, when did they say his name? Okay, so I don't think they did either. So we'll go with that. So some of my takeaways from this, uh, things I didn't feel like were necessary to, to talk about during the narrative. Um, when she's around Lothos, she gets cramps. <gasps> Hated that. S- super weird. So, um, so bad. I wondered if it was whenever Lothos gets near, when Lothos is rising to power, which he doesn't really seem to be needing to rise to power. He seems like he's good to go whenever he decides that she's ready. Right. Um, or if she's just around a vampire in general, why would you, why would, why would you write that she gets cramps when there's a vampire around? It makes no sense whatsoever. It seems like a useless plot point. <laughs> it just freaks it men. We don't, we don't, as the audience, I don't feel like we need to have a visual remind like a visual cue that a vampire is around i feel like um they could just have a growl or right in the movie's case a hiss <laughs> exactly we'll or i don't know you could use the score effectively I'm, right I'm not a director Anything. Um, especially because she doesn't really even react like she she doesn't act like she has a cramp every time it was like they did it right. twice and just to set up like that exchange between her and merrick it was useless yeah, it didn't. It didn't really do anything for me. Um, yeah, I just. I mean, I really don't know what this movie is trying to accomplish in any capacity. Because coming coming back to Paul Rubin's death scene um, being so ridiculous, it was so over top, over the top in certain places, and then so shallow in others. <laughs> and it it didn't do anything consistently. Um, it feels like honestly, you said earlier that parts that parts of this felt like an SNL skit. This movie feels like a parody of the show. Not it does. <gasps> it feels um, like the disaster movie of the show. Oh my god. I'm going to watch it like that now from now on. Instead of like as a prequel, I'm going to just watch it as like a fucking parody of it. Yeah, maybe we can. It's it, There are certain movies that I have to watch a certain way in order for me to enjoy them. One mm. of them, I know that you said today not to talk shit about Scream. But 
Scream 3 is a movie I have to watch and I have to go into it with a certain mindset or I'm not going to enjoy it myself. You know how many people, uh, ever since I tweeted that and retweeted it the other day, <laughs> I mean, people would just be like, I just, you know, even like messaging and stuff. Like, I just, I don't like it. I hope that's okay. I was like, yes, girl, it's perfectly fine. You don't have to yeah. like it. Chill, was, it's a tweet. I was going to tweet, uh, uh, oh, that sucks. I guess we'll uh, try to reschedule. Because oh, you tweeted you it today. Yes, please <laughs> drag me. I oh, am annoyed. <laughs> I'm annoyed with myself constantly. I want people to just drag me through the mud. I deserve it. Just so drag me. Yeah, you know, very that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was about to get I into love it. That you, I love that you... I love that you will defend Scream 3, though, because I feel like the way that you feel about Scream 3 is the way that I feel about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Oh, my God. But that also works. No, I've only seen, like, the first, like, 20 minutes, maybe? And then I turned it it off. Not for any reason in particular. I have really bad, like, (laughs) I don't know. I lose track of my mind easily. So sometimes I'll, like, start something and stop it. But I never came back to it, so I feel so bad. You love camp, you'll love this. It's you have to just know that it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre at all. It's like it feel it's like this. It's a parody of the of the the films. It's uh, a I love that. that has no idea what it is. I um, love that, but it's consistently ridiculous. So you might enjoy it. I'll have to stream it one day in the Discord. <gasps> okay. Yes. Um. So I'm trying to think if there's any other takeaways from this. We already discussed the the main thing, which is. Uh, queer readings of course mm-hmm. um the plot line and our thoughts about the casting and characterizations uh for better or for worse um i don't want to give christy swanson's uh politics any uh any more airtime mm. I, I feel like just let her die in obscurity yes please uh, do you have anything about this movie no, and you read really like retelling me what we talked about. I'm so proud of us. What do you mean? Like we just did so well. We hit a lot of points. Yeah, no, we, we all, <laughs> I, I actually managed to hit all the things that I wanted to talk about. Like and I'm so I proud. A lot more about the TV show. I talked about the TV show a lot more than I anticipated. I I want to talk more about it. To be honest, honestly, there's a there's a podcast um, about Buffy the Vampire Slayer that goes episode to episode. If you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. Buffering. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it is buffering. I think they do every single episode. Yes, I love them. Yeah, it's very cute. Um, I could talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer all day. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I had a great time. Um, Thank you for having me. Adrian, where can everybody find you? Oh my goodness, so many places. Uh, My personal handle on like everything is just Adrian Ray. uh, A-D-R-I-A-N-R-A-E-E for my, my personal account. But you can definitely follow our podcast networks as well we're at slash underscore her underscore pod on everything uh our podcast is available on many places we're of course on podbean apple spotify amazon pandora all over the place if you go to our social medias you'll have our link in the bio so just check that out and yeah again thank you so much for having me sydney i appreciate it i really appreciate you we'll have to do this again very soon yes very soon we have things to plan yes we have things to plan Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Really Queer, an LGBTQ plus movie podcast. Bye. Bye.
coming for you, Barbara. I'm so nice. That's the only time I feel really alive. I am Dracula.